A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com, brought to you, as always, by SavileRogue.com, where you can buy funky Arsenal football scarves made from pure cashmere. And given the weather we've had this week, uh, you'd want to get on there soon and get something to keep your neck warm. Otherwise, you will catch your death of cold. It's true. Um, Coming up on this week's show, we have got... um, the man from East Lore to talk about things that have gone on this week. We've also got the man at the bar with another player history. Arsene Wenger Hawkins is here. An interesting press conference from somewhere and various other sort of crap that I kind of make up as I go along. So I never quite know when I'm recording this bit what exactly is going to be in the rest of the show. And that, you see, is what makes the Arscast such a joy. So, so great. And by great, I mean consistently mediocre. I'm never quite sure what's going to happen, but generally it all tends to work out. Friday is a good day, isn't it? End of the week, no more work, apart from people like me that have to work seven days a week. But that's another thing. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, you you know, you enjoy your weekend. I'll get up and, you know, write a blog and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, football, it's going to be a quiet week, or it has been a relatively quiet week uh, because of the internationals. Lots of European Championship qualifiers going on. Uh, players are away. Players that we would usually have around, uh, like Abu Dhabi, for example. He's gone off. He's been called up by uh, France manager Raymond Domenech purely and simply as punishment uh, for Arsene Wenger and pulling Thierry Henry out of the squad. Despite the fact that Thierry is now paralyzed from the neck down, um, won't walk until the start of next season. Um, Raymond Dominic is not happy that that uh, the striker has been pulled out of the squad. So he's taken Diaby. And what he's done in training is he has tied him to a tree. And he's got the lads to practice sliding tackles um, along this kind of long sheet of plastic, which he has then covered with soapy water. And he's told them to take a run-up and they go running as fast as they can. Then they slide on their arse all the way down this plastic and go studs up into Diaby's knee. That's what he's been doing all week long. I yeah, can't tell anyone I told you, but that's what's happening. Um, last Sunday uh, was a disappointing game against Everton. Strange sort of team formation. The idea that uh, Gilberto uh, was playing in central defence. I, I don't like it. I said it before. I don't like it. And we had three of the back four playing out of position. There is some speculation, and that's all it is at this point, that William Gallas has maybe said to Arsene Wenger that he doesn't want to play at left back. Um, some people might say, well, nobody's going to tell Arsene Wenger what to do. But then why would, and I'm only just throwing this out there, conspiracy theories abound. And that's all this is. It is a theory. Why would Arsene Wenger play his best available left back at centre half 
one of his best centre-halves at right-back, his best right-back at left-back, and his best defensive midfielder in central defence. Seems all rather a bit strange to me, and rather than think that Arsene Wenger's um, got a bit doolally, perhaps uh, it's easier to point the finger at the ex-Chelsea man, who's trying to take us down from the inside. First of all, he's slanging off Alex Sleb. I bet he pulls people's chairs away from them uh, when they go to sit down in the canteen as well. Big bastard. Anyway, maybe that's not the case. Maybe Arsene Wenger actually decided that was his best pack four on the day because he wanted to play whoever and whoever in midfield. Didn't work out. We were toothless. Once again up front, Ali Adier and Julio Bautista, two guys playing for their Arsenal futures, have pretty much secured their futures um, by showing themselves to be completely and utterly rubbish when it comes to scoring goals. Ali Adier, in particular, had the sort of chance that you would expect a top striker at a club like Arsenal or United or Chelsea or Liverpool or whatever uh, to be able to, to put away. Baptista, it's so strange because he is literally a shell of the player that he was at Sevilla. And remember, two seasons ago, two summers ago, Arsene Wenger was trying very, very hard uh, to sign him and bring him to England from Sevilla before he joined Real Madrid. Perhaps he caught some kind of affliction at Madrid. Maybe that's what it is. He's got Real Fluenza. Or Spina Madrifida. I don't know what the hell is going on with him, but something is up. But anyway, I'll discuss uh, Ali Arier and Baptista and the various bits and pieces that have gone on in the last little while uh, with the man from East Lower when we uh, have a blog chat in a very short space of time. Away from Arsenal, there's been some interesting stuff happening this week in the world of football. FA Cup replays, Manchester United Middlesbrough, Cristiano uh, Ronaldo dives again gets a penalty, and then a Middlesbrough player, doing what most of us would want to do, booted the guy straight up in the air, which was fantastic. But Wayne Rooney, on a yellow card, came over, got his hands around the guy's neck, and pushed him and shoved him and did all kinds of things to him, and when other Borough players came over, uh, did the same to them. Did he get a second yellow card? No. Adibayor, let's just remember, Adibayor didn't punch Lampard, but still managed to get a four-match ban out of it. Yeah, that's the FA for you. And then the other big incident during the week was, of course, uh, the Spurs fan who jumped uh, onto the pitch and tried to punch Frank Lampard, uh, but missed. Simon left a message on the voicemail. He's likened the Spurs fan to a couple of Arsenal players. Um, hi, uh, I just wanted to phone up and say quite how disappointed and shocked I was to see that fan running onto the field of play at White Hart Lane um, to punch Frank Lampard. Because I was disappointed because he missed and um, shocked because surely if you're going to run onto the pitch and there's a field full of Chelsea players, you're going to go for Drogba first. I mean, Lampard deserves a slap, but go for Drogba first. When he's down, look around for Mr. Beryl Tweeney or whatever he's called. Give him a damn good slapping. Then go back for Lampard, surely. It makes sense. But then when you see it, I had a funny feeling. That just looks like a Ali O'Dea, doesn't it? Because he got so close to, close to the target and he missed... And um, But then you look, it could be Baptista because he got in there, he got the chance, he was just about to punch, but he was looking around for someone else to take the responsibility. Um, it's just so close to seeing Lampard punched and it's just so disappointing when it doesn't happen. Anyway, keep up the good work. By far the best weekly podcast with art in the title. Um, except for that other one, which is a video podcast where you need a special password, but yours is easily the best non-password predicted weekly podcast with the word arse in it. 
look forward to hearing it every week. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you very much to Jim for his voicemail and the honour of being the best non-password-protected podcast with the word arse in the title is, is really rather too much to take. So, uh, as I compose myself, it's time for a blog chat. Uh, this week it is with the man from eastlower.co.uk and we talk about all kinds of stuff like um, Arsenal and our players and matches and, and things like that. So uh, here's the blog chat. Now on the Arscast it's time to welcome back uh, the man from East Lower. Hello man from East Lower. Uh, good day to you. How How, I'm very well, thanks. I'm very well. Okay, we're, we're uh, in the Arsenal world a little bit uh, we're not having a good time at the moment, and, and the Everton defeat on on Sunday, although it was our first league defeat since Sheffield United uh, in December, it prompted some very uh, strong reactions from some people from some websites who called for Arsene Wenger to go. Now, I think that is obviously premature. Do you think, though, that the manager has put himself in a position where he's he's got something to prove, or he's got to he's got to put things right sooner rather than later? Um, I think. Um Everyone's saying, oh, you know, it's, t- it's two years now since winning anything. And, uh, you know, well, that's a fair point, I suppose. But I, I, never, I, I think people forget quite quickly that we did get to the Champions League final last year. Um, and that is a, a major achievement. And we've also improved on our league form. So has he got something to prove? Um, I don't think he's got anything to prove at all. I, I think I think this, uh, he, he probably knows that there are things that need to be fixed. And um, I, I would personally say, look, this year benefit of the doubt and uh and next year we probably have to we have, i think we all agree we've got to improve and if at the end of next year it hasn't improved at all then may, maybe that's the time to ask questions but i don't think now the problem we're having at the moment and more than anything is, is scoring goals and and we've had a, a penalty and an own goal and a little fluky thing off diaby against um against whoever the hell that was against Villa, yeah, Villa, Villa. exactly that's how boring that game was but uh ali Adier, and Julio Baptista have had uh, chance after chance to prove that they've got something to offer the club long-term going forward. Ali Adier, uh, I, I'm, maybe it's not a surprise so much as Baptista, because he was a guy who scored 20 goals and 18 goals in consecutive seasons for Sevilla, which prompted Arsene Wenger to, uh, to go after him very strongly in the transfer market uh, two summers ago. What has happened to that player... I don't know. I, I, I think it's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? He he um he didn't do so well at Real either last year. I, th- I think uh, obviously the fact they let him come to us probably says a bit about his form last year as well. So I don't really know. I, I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt um, on one blog entry I did the other day and said, oh, maybe we should you know, give him a contract. But I'm just I'm swinging up and down about this one because I just every time I see him, he he looks. He looks just a little bit slow, and a bit slow of body and a slow and slow of mind as well. And, and um, maybe I'm being harsh on him, but he doesn't quite look an Arsenal player. I think that's, you know, may, maybe he'd fit in really well somewhere else, and maybe he'd still do it with us. But he doesn't quite look the player at the moment that is going to solve our problems uh, this year or, or next year, to be honest. I mean, if we had Van Persie and Omri back, um, and Adi Bayor for that matter, the question is, would he get into our first team? And well, he wouldn't, would he? No. No, Ali Adier. No, I, I think, I think he'll be sold in the summer. I, I really do. He's been here. He's been he's something like our second longest serving player now, believe it or not, after Freddie Lundberg. Uh, he's he's been here ages. He's been sent out on loan to Celtic, to West Ham, um, maybe even somewhere else. I can't remember. 
and he's not done the business anywhere. Uh, he, he gets into good positions. He's a good, you know, he's fast, but he just he just doesn't have that clinical finishing. And um, maybe he, maybe again, you could argue if you were defending him that he's only played sort of five or six league games. Maybe that's a, a good argument to use. But um, I don't think he's got it again. If you use the same criteria, would he get in, in, in the team ahead of our three main strikers? The answer is definitely not. And, uh, and I have a funny feeling that he'll he'll definitely be um, offloaded. I mean, Wenger said himself that he was on the verge of getting rid of him in the January transfer window, but then he didn't for various reasons. So I, I think um, I think his time has uh, gone, probably. Okay, I, I would agree with that. Um, looking beyond the strikers, and it's easy to say, look, our strikers aren't scoring, but other teams, when their strikers don't score, they've got a little bit of backup from their midfield and this season the uh, Gilberto apart uh, the input in terms of goals from from the midfield has been negligible and that's been kind to them um is that something uh, no, one that i suppose by the law of averages one of them has to start scoring sooner or later or two he has to be quite proactive in, in the transfer market this summer and look for a midfielder that can you know, crop up with five, ten, twelve goals. Um, how do you see that working? Well, I think we relied. I mean, we, we relied on Perez and Lundberg for those goals in years gone by, and, and obviously Perez isn't here anymore, and Lundberg isn't uh, isn't doing. He's just not scoring anymore, and um, and so yeah, we're struggling. I, I think Fabregas. I, I think he. I think he will in, improve his goal output. He's uh, already in the last couple of games. He's taken that on board. He had a couple of good shots against uh, Everton, which. You know, okay, they were long distance shots, but yeah, I think he's got his um, he, he's got the message. I'm not so sure about Cleb. He 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 uh, he's got lots of good sides to his game, but you know, as we all know, scoring goals isn't one of them. And he's been here what two years now, and and it's got a lot of goals in either season. So uh, I, I don't know, I don't know about him. Uh, and Rosicky, I would def- definitely give the benefit of the doubt to because I think um, his uh, season's been sort of a bit stop start. Uh, he's been injured and then he's been back and. And and I think from what I've seen of him, he looks like he he could get a few um, a few more than he's done this year. At least anyway, he could, he could maybe next year aim to get let's say ten, which would be a good return for a, a midfielder. Um, Cleb's the one I don't think is going to um, start scoring. He he just he, he always seems to prefer the final pass to to shooting. But um, I think I think we need to. I still think I think you're right. I, th- I still think we need to perhaps. Um, uh, get get another player in who will score some goals, but but then uh, you could also argue that well, what does Wenger do? Because we've got so many really very good midfielders: Diaby, Fabregas, uh, Rosicky, and um, and you know if you brought someone in, what does it do to their position? So it's a difficult one, but I think we probably on balance need to get someone in who's going to score some goals because, like you say, their output, Gilberto uh, apart, has been really very poor. Perhaps getting somebody in um, might be a little bit of a rocket up their arses. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, you, you, it, it could be that that's all what they need. Uh, um, either way, <laughs> we do need we do need more goals. It's either got to come from the present players, and, and the only one way to do that is to uh, I don't know, is to maybe um, get into the position and make sure they shoot more than just pass that, that final pass. But uh, it's so hard to say. I think when your luck's down a bit and, and you've uh, you know you're less inclined to to have that that shot, and if you're playing on a high and you've won 15 games in a row, then you're probably more likely to take a pot shot. So we are sort of playing in a bit of a dip at the moment, which might explain some of that. I like you. I think uh, Sesk 
has definitely got goals in him. And people sort of say, well, look look how many Lampard scores, look how many Gerrard scores. But how many did Lampard score at 19? And how many did Gerrard score at 19? Um, so I think there's, there's time, certainly time for him to improve that part of his game. Um, moving just a point that um, has bothered me since the Everton game was the back four that he played. And you sort of alluded to it a little bit in your blog when you were talking about when, when is he going to bring Senderos back. And, and Senderos has struggled a bit uh, this season, for sure. Um, I, I, think he's, I think he's a good player still, and I think he's got a future at the club. But, you know, more than any other position, centre-half, if you make a mistake, you're, you're going to get found out. But yeah. to play the back four that he did against Everton, to me, was very strange in that he had Gallas, who is, in the absence of Clichy, by far our best left back um, and instead of playing Gallas at left back uh, and bringing Senderos in alongside Toure and keeping Hoyt at right back and Gilberto in midfield he sort of did this you know strange business yeah. do you think there's anything to the not the rumours but the theories that maybe Gallas has said that he doesn't want to play at left back and this formation was, was there to accommodate him um, I mean it is possible if you look at Gallas' previous he has got a bit of previous with Chelsea, hasn't he? And uh, he's as the, the the bloke on your last cast last uh, from from France football said, you know, he's he's very outspoken. And uh, maybe maybe there's something in that. I'm not so sure. I mean, maybe Wenger just thinks that he's a better centre half than he is a left back, and and um, and uh, and he wanted to try that. And to, you know, Hoyt has played left back before, and I don't actually think he played that badly against Everton. Um, I was the, the weird thing again was was um, you know perhaps uh, perhaps why did he why did he leave Sindros or why has he left Sindros out for so many games has he lost faith in him and and uh, I don't know about Gallas I mean I, I think uh, at the moment I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt but it, certainly if it, if it was ever proved that he'd refused to do that then to me that's just uh, um, absolutely not. Not the done thing. I mean, that is bang out of order if he ever did that. I hope he didn't put it that way. Yeah, so do I. So do I. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Okay, man from East Lower, thank you very much. You're welcome. No problem. Thank you very much to the man from East Lower for taking time out of his busy day to talk to Ars Blog once again. We did have a little bit there about the Liverpool game coming the week after, but but uh, it's a bit too far ahead. And given the fact it's International Week this week, and... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Next week news and things to talk about are are fairly thin on the ground also i am hopeful 
of having the Mug Smasher um, back for next week's show, seeing as um, it worked quite well, didn't it? Last time when we had the Mug Smasher on, we won the two games in three days. So let's see if we can't get him back to uh, jinx his own team yet again. At the moment, the Mug Smasher is in Portugal, uh, playing golf and drinking cheap beer and sort of lying around in the sun. So I think based on that alone, based on that alone, Liverpool deserve to lose um, the game next week. But we can discuss all that and many other things uh, with the Mug Smasher uh, in next week's Arsecast. Now then, uh, it is to the bar we go. It is the man in the bar and it is another player history. Ah, hello, there you are again now. Uh, did you see that old thing at the start of the week, did you? That fellow went on the pitch and try and punch Frank Lampard. Fat cunt that he is. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't believe it. You get that close to the cunt and miss, you'd think you'd have another go, at least karate chopped a cunt in the bollocks. That's what I do. Even at my advanced years, an old George Webb in the fucking scrotum is not beyond me. Anyway, today, I want to talk to you about a real Arsenal legend, so he was. And think, if you can, cast your mind back to the 1980s and there was a player in Scotland the best player that there ever was in Scotland forget your wee Willie Johnstons and your little Jock McDougals and even Kenny Dalgleish the wee shite anyway this lad's name was Charles Nicholas but people called him Charlie because that's kind of what you do with people's names. Anyway, Charlie Nicholas scored 907 goals in three seasons for Celtic. And then, of course, all the teams in England were after him. There was United, both Manchester and Colchester, uh, Everton, Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspur, and of course, Arsenal were after him too. Uh, there was a bit of a wooing went on, but in the end, Charlie chose London, you see, because London had the nightlife and the discos. And the champagne. And lots of girls who dropped their boobs in his face. Unfortunately, Charlie found the old uh, scoring goals a bit more difficult than scoring in nightclubs, you see. He only scored 11 goals in his first season and it didn't all go too well. And then the old George Graham came in and George, as you know, was a man who liked his players to work hard. Uh, not so much play hard. He liked the discipline, you see. And him and Charlie didn't always see eye to eye. You know, what with Charlie being out till four o'clock in the morning and, and things like that. The end came for Charlie at Arsenal. One day, a uh, training session was taking place. And George looks around and he says, Where's that old cunt Nicholas gone now? And Tony Adams, you see, Tony Adams, not many people know this. But Tony Adams was George's, you know, like head prefect. And he put his hand up straight away and he went, George, George, have a look over there. So George goes over, right? There behind the bush, over to the side of the training ground, was Charlie Nicholas, naked as the day he was born, having a threesome with Samantha Fox and the dark-haired one from Bananarama. That was too much for old George, you see. And uh, after that, to teach him a lesson, he sold him to Aberdeen which was a cruel and unusual punishment, you'd say. Uh, he went back to Celtic for a wee while then, and then got an old job working on the TV. And now he does a bit of old Scottish football, and he does that programme where the lads sit around on a Saturday and watch the football and make you feel like shite because you can't watch the football. But the good thing is, every time the mic goes off, he leans over and taps Bill Thompson on the back of the head and says, You're a cunt. It's true. That was the man in the bar. Uh, with another player history, he will be back next week with another 
player history, of course. OK, you might remember, on the last Arscast we had a question from Jeff in the US of A, who wanted to know why it was that he should hate Tottenham. As a new Arsenal fan, he wanted to get a little bit of uh, insight from those who have supported the club a bit longer, and I threw the question out to you, and and you got back to me. Here are some of the answers. Bill is first. He says, uh, the first thing is that they're up the road, so you bump into the fans continuously and have to listen to their constant bleating. Secondly, the bleating. The last time they won anything, Napoleon fucking Bonaparte was invading Russia and setting up UEFA, but you'd never know that from the way they act as if they're a big club. Three words to that. Ha-ha and ha Thirdly, that stupid fucking slogan around their stadium, to dare is to do. What the hell is that about? I did a big poo this morning. Sorry, I mean, I dared a big poo this morning. Makes no sense. Uh, he says, I love the way we have little reminders of the trophies we've uh, we've won all the way around our stadium, rather than such trite fuckwittery. Fourthly, the absurd depths they're forced into to defend their club. I've had Tottenham fans banging on about how brilliant their ticketing system is. Fine, you cunts have uh, the good ticketing system, and we can have the trophies, the glittering football, the sheer joy of supporting the best club in the world alongside the best fans in the world. Is is that enough? There's more. Uh, That's plenty from Bill. Next up is John Ewell, who says, Jeff, the reason we hate Tottenham, simply, they are just cunts. Declan Meehan has uh, ten reasons to hate Tottenham. I can't go through them all because there's too many, but uh, we'll go through uh, number one. They pretend to be a big club even when everything around them clearly points to them being otherwise. Two, they have the ugliest set of fans in the country, coming a close second in the entire UK to Wrexham. Number five, Paul Gascoigne. Number seven, their ex-players and ex-managers are stuck in a time warp, depending on their age, of between 35 and 45 years ago. He says... Nine, all their players, management and directors are wankers. And ten, save the best reason till last, their fans are cunts. Philip Fort says, Here is my justification for our hatred of Spurs, for our friend across the pond. He says, Why do we hate Spurs? Well, I need to take you back a bit to the beginning of the 20th century. The Arsenal forces were happily settled in the south of London, but the commanders decided that South London was a bit too much of a shithole and they should move to the north where all the action was happening. Little did they know they were walking right into the territory of a group of cannibalistic, incestual, savage cunts, otherwise known as Spurs. Arsenal managed to settle in an area of Islington and built a magnificent fortress which became known as Highbury which, despite being smaller than the shithole Spurs wallowed in, was a much more dignified base of operations. This fortress helped to keep the hordes of Tottenham at bay for a time, and for a time it was good. Arsenal dominated not only North London, but during the 1930s under the charge of the magnificent General Herbert Chapman, they dominated the whole of England. But then, in the 1960s, disaster struck. The savages rose from the ashes and won two important battles simultaneously— All this did, though, was encourage Arsenal to strike back at the cunts, and a decade later, Arsenal repeated the feat. We then went on to do it twice more, under the charge of General Arsene Wenger, just to rub shit in the cunts' faces. Then in 2006, Arsene took his young army on an assault of Europe, where they beat off cunts like Juventus and Real Madrid, and they very nearly defeated the biggest cunts of all, Barcelona. However, during this overseas offensive, the county side of North London took advantage and started to gain ground. Arsene could not have this, so on the last day, Arsenal poisoned the cunt's food, causing them to lose the final battle, and order was once again restored to North London. And to mark this renewed supremacy, Arsene moved the Arsenal forces to a bigger fortress, while the cunts still wallow in that shithole they call a ground. 
Thank you uh, very much for that, Philip. Tom Nagel says, uh, why should Jeff hate Tottenham? Because a good season for them involves beating the Arsenal, which they haven't done in eight years. 2-0 and you fucked it up. Ha 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 ha, he says. Uh, I imagine that's how he laughed. The next bit, to give you a little break from my voice, uh, came as a voicemail. Uh, no name was left, but I think it was from Pip. Jeff, why do you hate Tottenham? There are 11 reasons every game that you hate Tottenham, plus their manager. 11 plus 1 equals 12. 12 cunts per game, at least. Then you have to think of their mentality. They think they are so fucking good, but they're not. 46 years without a league title? Please, they're having a laugh. Jeff, all that needs to be said is they are pure cunts. And it's kind of hard to argue with that, isn't it? Uh, G. Woods doesn't leave his first name, but that's just the first part of his email address. says, uh, Geography enters into the equation as biggest rivals. My family hails from Islington, me from Woolwich, so I was, in fact, doubly blessed. He says, I've lived in the U.S. the last 20 years, and two of my best friends here are actually brothers from Edmonton and huge Spurs fans. He says, it all really boils down to one thing. They're scum. We're not. We're the mighty gunners. They haven't won the league since the world became colourful. He says the one player they're most proud of couldn't run, couldn't tackle, and believes that Arsene Wenger Hawkins and his disabled peers deserve everything they get for being monsters in a past life. He says it's just the way it is. They are shite wankers, always have been, always will be. Manure, Chelsky, Scouse mugs can come and go. Spurs twice a year until they get relegated does me nice. And he says, oh, if we could win the league at their place a couple more times, that wouldn't hurt a bit either. Mike says, why do we hate Tottenham? Well, the answer is that they can hold two goal leads in big London Cup ties this season, lose them, and still claim to be the biggest team in London. And the final one, uh, out of many that were received, uh, comes from Tommy K, who says, uh, another top ten list. I'll go through a few of them. He says, five, Robbie the Cunt Keen plays for them. Two, the Gaza free kick. Yes, the Gaza free kick in the 1991 uh, FA Cup semi-final at Wembley, which was a rather sickening moment, especially as I had uh, a tremendous hangover that day and was watching the game with a Spurs fan who jumped up and down all around the place and... And it wasn't nice. So that's a very good reason. He says, uh, eight, their manager is a twat. Nine, their fans are twats. And ten, their players are twats. So you see, Jeff, what it boils down to, essentially, in a nutshell, and from what you can gather from all these responses from all the Arsenal fans who want you to know why Tottenham uh, are to be hated, it's because they're twats, because they're shite, they're wankers and cunts. Not much more to it than that. Thank you to everybody who took the time to respond there. I think it's good that we can uh, educate new Arsenal fans in the way of the arse, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, I hope you found that useful, Jeff, and you can take that information onwards and let that hate bubble and fester away inside you. Uh, plans uh, for people to write in and email and leave voice messages about why Didier Drogba is such a hideous cunt have had to be shelved. Unfortunately, uh, there's just not enough email capacity in the entire world to cope with it all. Okay, now... A little bit of travelling. We're going to the other side of the Andromeda 72 galaxy. Uh, there's been a hastily arranged press conference at Gargalax FC. Ladies and gentlemen of the press, thank you very much for attending uh, this Gargalax FC um, press conference this afternoon. Sorry for the short notice, but uh, we've made 
a very significant signing to the style, and I'd like, of course, to introduce him to you. And just for those of you tuning in from outside the Andromeda 72 galaxy, football is slightly different here. You see, the aim of the game is not to score goals. The aim of the game is to have as little of the ball as is alienly possible. And so what you need is, you need cunning, you need quick feet, you need good skills, and a surprise, the element of surprise, to pass the ball directly to one of the opposition without him even knowing. Uh, so with that, uh, I'd just like to introduce our new signing, uh, who cost us 72 million dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Clem. Hello. At least he's better than Belarusia. Boom. And may I say again, boom and put them together, and it's a sort of a boom-boom thing. Sorry about that, Alex Lebb, just taking the piss, really. Though, to be fair, I would sell them for 72 million galakalalars, or whatever the hell they were. Now, not too much left between now and the end of the Arsecast. We do, of course, have to hear from the man himself, Arsene Wenger Hawkins. Uh, somebody did email me during the week to ask, uh, would it be possible... Um, to get a compilation of all the Arsene Wenger Hawkins bits and put them up on the site somewhere. Uh, yes, it is possible. When I have time to actually do it is another thing, but I definitely will try um, uh, as soon as possible to get a compilation of Arsene Wenger Hawkins uh, on the site. Uh, probably, though, we may need to leave some of it until uh, the summertime when there's fucking nothing to talk about. Uh, so we have to fill it with, you know, uh, the best of the Arsecast, which will last about... Three minutes? I don't know. Anyway, this week, Arsene Wenger Hawkins reacts to some of the criticism aimed at his namesake, Arsene Wenger, without the Hawkins. Hello. It has been a difficult week for Arsenal, and some fans have decided they think the best thing is that the manager should be replaced. I say to them, it's too soon, like a 16-year-old boy three seconds into his first shack. We all have difficult times at work, and when we've done a good job for many years, that should be rewarded with a little loyalty. Not so long ago, I had a very hard time in my job. After exemplary service for all the years previously, some small mistakes were made, and some people took it very personally. Arsene Wenger Hawkins out, said one. Venture Hawkins must go. I've had enough, said another. I have to say it affected me and I felt quite sad that people who I had done my best for were willing to cast me off like a leper on a lifeboat. But I stuck it out and in the end I showed them that I was still the best man for the job. The very next week I performed three heart transplants without anyone dying which was a 100% increase on the week before. Sometimes people just need to chill the fuck out a bit, you know. They need to just get in their grip, smoke a fat one, drink a cold one, and slow down, right, brother? You know it makes sense, you red Indian looking cunt. Oh yes. There you go, former heart surgeon, United Nations envoy, astronaut, and in harder times, lap dancer. Arsene Wenger Hawkins will be back on next week's Arsecast. Uh, due to the fact that there is no match this week. There is no bet of the week with thanks to our friends at bluesquare.com, which you can find at www.bluesq.com. And if you don't already have a Blue Square account, and come on, all the cool kids have them, why not open one up? All you have to do is click on the little bit on the side of the Arsblog homepage. It takes you through, you sign up, and then when you make, I think about 400 bets, um, Arsblog gets £1.50 
uh, which goes a long way uh, to keeping the site alive and keeping the Irish cast up and running because it takes a lot, you know, um, technically, creatively, emotionally, honestly. It takes a lot. So all all the uh, little bits and pieces we get in are very much appreciated. Before we go, I have to tell you who are the two winners of the Savile Rogue Scarves. First one uh, is Simon for likening the Spurs fan to the two Arsenal uh, strikers. And I put strikers in inverted commas. You can't see me do it, but I am. I'm doing that little motion with my fingers. And the second one goes to Philip Ford for his epic story of why Jeff should hate Spurs. Those scarves, of course, will come courtesy of our great friends at SavileRogue.com. Also, on next week's Arscast, we have a brand new feature. How to speak Catalan with Sesc Fabregas. That doesn't mean that Sesc Fabregas is going to teach you how to speak Catalan. It means that I'll teach you, or the wonderful Catalan-speaking blogette will teach you some Catalan phrases. So if you ever meet Sesc Fabregas in the supermarket... You can have something to say to him. Here's an example. Hola, Sesc Fabregas. It's Almillo. So if you want to learn how to speak Catalan with Sesc Fabregas, make sure you tune in to next week's Arscast. So that's it. Another Arscast over and done with. Uh, with no football, you can have a relaxing weekend. Uh, your country, uh, pff, who cares? Let's just hope our boys come back injury-free, in particular Abu Dhabi. And um, we'll talk to you all next week on the blog and next week on the Arscast with the Mug Smasher. Until then, take it easy. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.